Hold them up real high. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evan's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And we come this morning, we got up out of our homes and beds to come to hear from the Spirit of God. I thank you that as we hear, the Spirit is going to speak to us the things that you need us to hear. And so I step back now so that he can lead us and guide us into all truth. I declare like never before that as we hear this word, signs, miracles, and wonders will follow our lives. And Lord, I thank you that we will never be the same. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For the next three weeks, everybody say three weeks. For the next three weeks, I'm starting a new series entitled Propel, Discovering Your Purpose. And the title of this message is really centered around the idea of pushing someone forward in life by helping them discover God's purpose for their lives. And so what I'm going to do is ask you to do four things. Everybody say four things. I'm going to ask you to do four things over the next three weeks. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, and that is don't miss one Sunday. A topic like this needs to be heard on a consistent basis, and I'm going to teach you today how to discover God's purpose for your life. And so you don't want to miss one Sunday, and and because, see, some things are taught, but also there are some things that are caught. And I believe you will get both of those during these three weeks. And sometimes I believe we've allowed technology uh, and the convenience of it to rob us from times of impartation. You know, when Jesus, uh, when he told his disciples, listen, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise of the Spirit. And this is recorded in Acts chapter 2, if you want to read it. And when the Holy Spirit came and fell... It did not fall everywhere. It only fell in the room where those who were waiting that he instructed, they actually received. Now, of course, over time, the disciples went and they, you know, told everybody else about the message and they were able to receive. But my point is this. Those who were physically at the location received impartation and not just information. Can I get an amen? So I want you to do your best to not miss a Sunday. Here's number two. Instead of trying to take full notes, I want you to just take down thoughts that pop into your heart and into your mind. And then number three, I want you to make a decision. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to make a decision. I want you to make a decision to activate what you hear that you're not currently doing. And then the last thing I want you to do uh, during this three weeks is I want you to invite someone who you know needs some purpose in their life. Now, this next statement I'm about to make are for my mature 
and senior seasoned saints. Okay? So touch your neighbor and say, I don't know who he's talking about, but he's talking about somebody though. Okay? In the event that you know some of what I'm going to teach you, or even know most of it, that means what you are hearing is not just for you. God wants you to turn around and teach what you already know or what you are learning to someone else. In fact, Timothy, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 in the Living Bible says this, For you must teach others those things you and many others have heard about me. Teach these great truths to trustworthy men who will turn, in turn, pass them on to others. So just because you've heard something before, you cannot discount the fact that you know it. God has designed it where when you know something, you really don't know it until you can teach it to someone else. So as you and I grow in Christ, look at your neighbor and say, as you grow in Christ. As we grow in Christ as individuals, our job is to help others grow. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find two verses of Scripture. Find 2 Timothy chapter 1 and then Romans chapter 8, verses 28. 2 Timothy 1, we're going to start in verse 8, and then Romans chapter 8, verses 28. This is going to be a very good teaching this morning. God put everyone on this earth for a reason and for a purpose. Everybody say, for a reason. And for a purpose. He's put everyone here on this earth for a reason and a purpose. And that's why abortion is a tragedy. Because abortion does not give a child the opportunity or the choice to live out their God-given purpose. But God has purpose for everyone that he puts here. And my task is to help you discover what that purpose is. Now... I'm going to have four points for you today. So if you're taking notes, I at least want you to write down the points. Here's point number one because we're going to jump right into today's lesson. Point number one is God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Everybody say, God has a plan and a purpose for me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, God has a plan and a purpose for me. Now let's look in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look in verse 8. And then we're going to read verse 9. It says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor uh, me, his prisoner. But be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Watch verse 9. Here's the focus verse. Who has saved us, God has saved us, and he has what else? Come on, class. He's what? He saved us. He's called us. And this calling is a what kind of calling? It's a holy call. He's not calling you to be a drug dealer. Amen. It's a holy calling. And this calling, watch this, is not according to our works, but this calling, watch this, I want you to read this with me. It's according to his own. Come on, let's read it again. It's according to his own. This calling that God has on our life is according to his own purpose. Now listen, so that tells me that God has a purpose for my life. And then watch this. He says it's according to his purpose and grace. So whatever I have gone through in life or whatever I may go through in life, whatever it is, God has given me the grace. Watch this now to go through it because if I follow him and his purpose for my life, the grace that I need to do his will for him is already there. And that happens through Jesus Christ. So everyone say out loud, God has a purpose for me. 
Now, when you look this word purpose up in the dictionary, it actually means the reason for which something uh, exists or is something done. Now, the definition in the Bible is a little different. When you look it up, the word purpose in the Bible, its main meaning is proposed intention. Everybody say proposed intention. In other words, when we read the word purpose in the Bible, it means that God has a proposed intention for our lives. Amen. Now, he has a reason why he has put you here. But unfortunately, the average person, whether they are Christian or non-Christian, is clueless of the reason God put them here. And here is why. The average person starts this question about purpose by starting with themselves. They start the purpose or the questions of purpose by asking uh, themselves questions instead of starting out with the creator or the source who is God. Amen. The creation cannot ask itself why it exists because it can't get the answer because it didn't create itself. Amen. And normally people start the question of purposes out like, uh, what am I good at? What's my passion? What do I have a love for? What is my giftings? And all of those are good questions, but the problem is when you ask natural questions, you can't get a spiritual answer. The only way you and I are going to know what God's purpose is for our lives, guess what? We have to start with Him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, I'm going to read it. It says, For by Him... Were all things created, watch this, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. Watch this now. All things, everybody say all things. All things consist, watch this, they were created by him and for him. So you and I, we can't start the journey out by trying to discover what our purpose is in life if we don't start that journey off with God. Everybody say God has a purpose for my life. Now let's go over to Romans chapter 8 verse 28 because I'm going to show you a second verse that shows you that God has a purpose for your life. And here is why I'm doing this series. Because I believe God wants us to live a life on purpose. See, the reason I am pastoring today is because it's something God had assigned for my life, even though I didn't know the assignment when I started. In fact, some things God won't show you in advance because he will know you won't want to do it at the time. Amen. Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that what? Love God, watch this, and to them who are the call, read this part with me, according to, come on, according to what? According to what? So that means God has a purpose for your life. Now, I've discovered that you to understand God's purpose, you have to understand there are four types of purposes with God. So if you want to take notes, you can write this down. There are four types of purposes. Here's the first one, and that is a primary purpose. A primary purpose. And this is the general purpose that everyone has. And here's the thing about the general purposes of God. Everybody, say everybody. Everybody is involved and included in these three, in this purpose right here, this primary purpose, this general purpose. And here's the criticalness of this general purpose. 
you cannot walk out the next three purposes without knowing and applying this first general purpose. Now, what I'm going to do is give you all four types of purposes, and then we're going to walk through two of them, and then next week I'll finish the other two. So we have, what was the first one? Primary purpose. Here's number two, and that is a place of purpose. And this is a specific place you know, that God has called us to that will help us be equipped to carry out God's general or primary purposes for our lives. Everybody say a place of purpose. Then the third one is a positional purpose. And this is a position that you and I must get in and function in that allows us to live out our God-given primary purpose. And then here's number four, which is very good. You don't want to miss next week. And that is your personal purpose. And this is the specific thing or things that God has designed, called, custom made and fitted just for you. And here's the unfortunate thing about the personal purpose part of life. Most people never find their personal purpose. Watch this because they never do purpose one, two, and three. See, the purposes of God, are, it's, like a, uh, it's like algebra. Now, in school, I was not real good in algebra. How many was good? Let me see your hand. All right, the rest of us are strugglers, right? And one thing about algebra, if you don't get the foundation, you will never get the problems right. Well, there's certain principles in Scripture, and one of them is one I'm about to show you now. In order for you to discover your purpose, you have to do number one. So let's talk about God's primary purpose for our lives, which brings me to point number two. And if you want to take notes, here's point number two. Our primary purpose is found in God's principle of first. I'm going to say it again. Our primary purpose, everybody say my primary purpose. Our primary purpose is built on God's principle of first. So now let's look at what the principle of first is because it's going to give reference and help us see and have insight on what God is trying to tell us about our primary purpose. So I'm going to start in Mark chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. They're going to put it on the the screen. Mark chapter 12 verse 28. We're going to now discover what our first purpose in life is. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your race, creed, what your family background is. This purpose, what I'm about to give you, is something you have to do for you to discover your purpose in life that God's put you here. It says in Mark chapter 12, And one of the scribes came to Jesus, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving, this was Jesus, perceiving that they had answered them well, he had answered them well, he asked them, which is the first, what is the first commandment? That's what they asked Jesus. And the Bible says, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? One Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with how much of your heart? All of your heart. How much of your soul? All of your soul. How much with all your what? Mine and with all your what? Now read this part with me. This is the what? The first, now, here we go. We're about to see the principle of first. Because anytime you see God stating something as first, that means there's nothing else above it. That means everything under it now, watch this now, has lesser value per se than what's first. He says this is the first commandment. Now, let me remind you, this principle or primary principle of first is also found in the Old Testament. Now, 
if we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, what I'm about to do is show you this principle of first in the Old Testament so you can see it. And then I'm going to give you a situation that we can see it was mirrored in the Old Testament. Because listen, if God wanted it first in the Old Testament, Jesus comes around and says, do it in the New Testament. Then guess what? It's still good for us to do today. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now let me ask you a question. Does Deuteronomy 6 sound like March uh, chapter 12? Yes, it does. Well, that means now the first purpose, everybody say the first purpose. In fact, say it like this. Say, my first purpose. Our first purpose in life is to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. So if you left here today and say, what is my purpose? Your purpose in life, your first one, is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let me just give you another word for that. Another word for that is to worship God. That is your primary purpose in life, is to worship God. And what, what, what does that mean? I mean, is there a different way to say that? Let me say in advance, worshiping God is not about us. It's about you and I bringing pleasure to God. That's what worship is. Worship is when you and I bring pleasure to God through how we live our lives. There's a quote in our new membership book that says, God was not made for us, but we were made for him. In other words, God, listen, when we come to worship, it's not about how we feel doing worship. It's about how we make God feel doing worship. Amen. It means to bow down. That's why when you see worship takes place, you see some of my worship team, they bow. They are worshiping. It means to bow down, to respect, to lay prostate. Well, I says to admire. Only men would probably understand this. You ever go to the car wash, get your car real clean, got your armor all on there and it's shining, and you just admire your car? Worship. <laughs> It's, it's like a dog sitting at his master's feet waiting to do whatever his master tells him. That's what worship is. And here's the thing. The devil knows that worshiping God is so important and that it's a part of our primary purpose in life that he tries to get us to worship everything but God. As a matter of fact, you may not have recognized this, but when the devil came to Jesus with those temptations that when he tempted Jesus, Matthew chapter 4 verse 9 says, and the devil said to him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. See, let me say this to you. You may not know this or not, but if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. Notice what the devil said in, in that verse. He says, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. And that's what happens in our life and in our world. What happens if we get our eyes off of God, we begin to worship the things. Everybody say things. Amen. John chapter 4 verse 23 because see, worship is so important to God that he's looking for true worshipers. You ever lost your keys and you're looking for them and you just tear the whole house up looking for your keys. 
And then you get in the car and they in the car. Well, God is looking for worshipers, true worshipers. John 4.23 says, but the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the spirit, the father. Watch this in spirit and in truth. Watch the latter verse for the father seeks those to worship. So what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? What does that mean? It it boils down to this. You cannot worship in spirit and in truth until you have been born again of the spirit. And so what that means is anybody outside of born again believers who say they are worshiping are not worshiping the father. Because the only way to worship the father is in spirit, his spirit and in truth. So listen, they may be worshiping, but it's not God. And then he said, no, no, not only in spirit, but watch this, in truth, which means now in order for me to worship in spirit and truth, I have to be born again of the spirit, which means now I had to have accepted the truth who is Jesus because the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, without Jesus and being born again, you're not really worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so all these different religions that you see, Oh, there are many ways to connect to God. It ain't. Just like only one key works at your house, there's only one way to get through the door to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? The reality of worship is if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping someone else. Now, everybody say, my primary purpose is to worship God. Here's my third point. God has a place to help me carry out his purpose in my life. God has a place. So let's go back to Romans 8. Let's go back to Romans 8. God has a place that he wants me to carry out this worship, this primary purpose, this general purpose in life. He has a place he wants me to do this. Now, Romans 8, 28, we read it. It says, and we know all things work together for good. To those that love God and to those who are called, watch this now, according to his purpose. Now, I need you to get your steak knife out right now because I'm about to show you something that the only way you're going to see this is through study. Remember now, the meaning of the word purpose that I gave you was proposed. It was two words. I'm trying to see if you follow it. Proposed. Come on, class. Proposed. Okay, so the word purpose means proposed intention. Now, the Greek word, because now the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word for this word purpose is called prothesis. And this word prothesis not only translates this word in English as purpose, but it also translates this word prothesis as another English word called showbread. Now, watch this now. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Go to Matthew chapter 12. What I'm about to do now is show you this word purpose in a different context, in a different book of the Bible. Watch this, with a different English word, but it's the same word purpose. Matthew chapter 12, look in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck the ears of corn and did eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath day. 
But verse 3 says, But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did? Watch this now, class. When David was hungry, and even those that were with him, how he entered what class? Where did they go? Where did they go? They went into the house of God. Now watch this now. And they did eat some what? They what? They ate some what? They ate some showbread. That word showbread is the same word purpose. David and his men in the Old Testament got hungry. And they went into the house of God and they ate some purpose. And see, many people never get purpose because they're not in the house to eat some purpose. Watch this now. They entered into the house of God to eat some showbread or some purpose. And then watch this. It was not even lawful for them to do that. Uh, Neither for them who were with him. Why? Because it was only for the priest at the time. See, this showbread had different names for it. The, the, the names were bread of the face. It was known for presence bread. It was known as holy bread. Why? Because this bread was one of the only breads that was in the sanctuary on the table for the priests when they came in to worship. Regular people didn't eat this bread because regular people didn't go into the sanctuary. So what David and his men did was unlawful. So God said, okay, what I need to do because I need my people in order for them to fulfill their purpose in life. I need to qualify them to be able to go into my sanctuary and eat the showbread that's on the inside that only priests could eat. And that's why we read over in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we are a chosen generation. We are a, a what kind of what? A what? So God said, I'm going to have to put some priesthood on these people so they can go into my house and now they are qualified to eat some purpose. Amen. So the place that God has for you and I to discover our our purpose in life is the house of God. And that's why the average person is stuck in life. They're unfulfilled because they're not committed to eating purpose in his house. So let's take it a little further. Watch this now. Matthew chapter 16, they're going to put it on the screen. I want to show you something. We're going to take this a little further as we get ready to close here. It says, and I say also unto you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I'm going to build my what class? My church. This ain't Pastor Evans' church. This is Jesus' church. And he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And watch this. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Now, let me ask you a question. Who should be meeting at the house of God, eating some purpose or showbread? God's people. Everybody say God's people. What's another name for God's people? Everybody say the church. That's another name for God's people, the church. And so watch this now. You're going to discover in life. That whenever you are a part of the church, it already positions you to overcome and win in life. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So listen, if I want to win, if I want to always prevail, the only group and organization that Jesus said the gates of hell wouldn't prevail is the church. He didn't say your Greek organization. I know you are cute dog. 
know you are Delta Scott, whatever that is. Come on, I know you are beta by beta and all that. You are Alpha and Omega and the beginning and the end and all that stuff. But Jesus didn't say that that organization would not prevail against the church. He said it was the church that will, listen, the devil would not prevail over the church. Somebody say amen to that. And you will notice that the church is the only place the gates of hell will prevail. He didn't say it wouldn't prevail over the Republicans. He didn't say it would prevail over the Democrats. He didn't say it prevail over IBM and Apple and Microsoft. Listen, he said my church will always overcome. And the world can criticize the church if they want to. But you need to be a part of the church. I'm a part of the church because I want to win. Amen. The world can criticize the church and the people in it. But guess what? Their criticism won't prevail. They can talk about the pastor of the church and what the pastor has on and what the pastor drives and what kind of food the pastor eats. But what they say will not prevail. They can say that we're all hypocrites, that we just give it our money and whatever you may say. But let me say this. Their hypocritical conversations will not prevail. So I want to encourage you today to make a decision to get planted in the house of the Lord. So how do we apply this? Real quick, here's how we're going to apply this. How do you, how do you prepare your life by discovering your purpose? Here's number one, and that is to understand that the only place for you to, to get your purpose is first connecting with God. There's no other way. This is why there are so many false religions popping up these days, false teachings popping up, just to get you to not get rooted in the truth. Let me tell you something. There is one Bible. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one Christ. There is one Savior, and his name is Jesus. People say, well, Jesus, he black, he white. I don't care what color he is or was. His blood was red and it was shed for me and it saved me from hell. And until you got some blood that is powerful enough to take me out of a hell, I believe in you. But for right now, it's Jesus. You got to start with Jesus. Here, number two, once you've accepted the fact that he's the only way to get my purpose, you must now begin to, watch this, worship God with your life. Begin to bring him pleasure. Do things that please him. My goal in life is to please God. I heard a story recently of of a businessman And uh, his friend was telling him that he was learning how to follow the Spirit of God and he was in a bank line. And while he was in this bank line, God spoke to him and told him to tell the lady in front of him something that God wanted to tell her. And the the guy contemplated it and said, I'm not doing that. And the moment he decided, I'm not telling her that, someone behind him reached and walked up to the lady that was in front of him and told the lady the exact same thing that he refused to tell the lady. Because if you won't do it, God will use somebody else to do it. 
when I started this church, when God asked me to start this church, he says, Evan, I want you to start a spirit-filled church in Arlington, Texas. He said, but if you don't do it, I'll get somebody else to do it. Look, I don't want nobody to get the blessings I should have had if I just would have obeyed God for myself. Start pleasing God with your life. Here's number three. Make a commitment or renew your commitment to coming to his house and eating some purpose. Here's what I've discovered. Ask me what I've discovered as we close. I've discovered that we've allowed this culture to dumb down the importance of coming to worship God as a corporate people. I can worship at home. This is what you hear from people. Oh, I can worship at home. I don't need to be at church to worship. Really? Well, you know, I can just watch it on the computer. Well, ask the computer to heal you then. Won't you just do that? Computer, heal me. Computer, heal me. I don't hear you, computer. You know why? Because a computer can't heal you. The society says it's not necessary, but it is. And next week, I'm going to show you the power that comes with community. And all these truths, you don't want to miss week three, because all these truths, watch this now, also mirror the principles of this church. We are a purpose-driven church. And one of the things that we do, if you go and say, it says that we want to know Christ and make him known, and we're going to do four things to do that. The first thing is we're going to know him personally. That's worship. That's why we worship. We don't just worship because we have good music and musicians. We do it because we are a purpose-driven church. Did you you get something this morning? Give the Lord a head clap right there. Every head bow. There are some people in this room that need to make some decisions. Don't make them when you leave because the Spirit of God...